Oh, I love right afterwards. He has this disease where his head is shaved, but he doesn't have to shave it. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like the entire time, I'm thinking, so he's bald. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David. And today I watched The Darjeeling Limited. But before we get started on that, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host I Finally Watched. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. So head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. So the first time I watched this, I knew who Wes Anderson was, but I didn't know this was by him. Um, I, I saw it on TV, not in theaters, um, but it looked really interesting. I you know, saw Owen Wilson was in it. Adrian Brody was in it. And I was like, okay, cool. And it was beautiful. Like the cinematography is great. And the locations are interesting. Well, most of the film was shot in India. Um, actually, that's a good question for you, David, since you do most of the research. Was it actually shot in India? Yeah. They uh, had to ask a, like an Indian train company to use 10 cars and a locomotive. And they just kept going back and forth on the track. And the, uh, the company was like, had never gotten a request like that. And it was like, took them a while, but eventually they're like, sure. <laughs> we'll take your money that's pretty cool though um so yeah it looks so cool and i watched it and i think like i don't know rushmore is an amazing movie um but the story uh for the darjeeling limited really struck a chord with me like it, it spoke to me and i really really liked what it had to say so it's one of my favorite Wes Anderson movies. And uh, yeah. So what, what, what did you think of it? I loved it. I, um, this is always one that I, I guess, I'm not sure if I didn't want to watch it, but I was just like, I'll get, I'll get to that eventually. And this is besides Bottle Rocket. This is the only one I haven't seen. Um, and it may be one of my favorites now. Um, it's just so interesting. So entertaining. And I, uh, yeah, I loved it. I like, I really, I think Adrian Brody might, is probably my favorite part of it. Like his <laughs> character is just so great. Peter. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He's amazing. You know, it's funny why this, uh, I don't know why this one really got to me. Um, I get emotional. We'll talk about, you know, halfway through the movie. It's like the proper time to get emotional in this film. But I I got emotional a couple times rewatching this. Um, and I think this is definitely a movie that you can adapt to. Like as you... Okay, I guess what I'm trying to say is that this movie can speak to you in different ways if you watch it five years ago. Or five years from now, it'll say something different. That's a, how at least I felt about it. Um, 
And it's weird for me to say that because I, I never really had that close of connection to my one sibling yet. And I, I don't have, you know, multiple siblings and I'm uh, not really connected to my sibling now that I'm in adulthood, but you have three brothers, right? Uh-huh. How accurate is like the dynamic between like an older middle and younger brother dynamic but who's the youngest one in this jason schwarzman you think so i think so yeah i guess that would make sense i mean francis obviously is the oldest yeah um i don't know i mean i th- i it felt real uh, my my brother dynamic is not the same as that as this movie <laughs> for good it's funny because I was talking to Taylor who has all sisters and she was like how the oldest treated the middle and the middle treated the youngest and the youngest treated the both of them. She was like spot on, like totally realistic and spot on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I guess my oldest brother is like 10 years older than me. So by the time I was eight, he was at college. Mm. So when you have that big of a split, um, the dynamics, I think, are a lot different. How, how old do you think they were apart from each other? Like five years? Like in total, yeah, maybe. Yeah. They felt very close in age. Yeah. Um, now, we start, off with, we start off with Bill Murray uh, chasing down a train. And then somehow Adrian Brody turned turns in or bill murray turns into adrian brody or or adrian brody is imagining bill murray because you say he's the father but i disagree with you well yeah that's fine so i mean it's a it's a fan theory but i was listening to an episode about uh, a podcast episode about wes anderson films and they were ranking them and they talked about this one and they just said it as a given fact that bill murray is the dad and when you watch it that way i think it's fairly obvious but also subtly that's what it's going for because otherwise the bill murray storyline makes no sense and it's like completely unconnected to the movie um but there's a couple reasons that i think it is so bill murray's running along after this train that he doesn't catch and Adrian Brody runs past him and kind of looks at him and they kind of share a look. And then when Adrian Brody does make it onto the train, you see him looking back at Bill Murray, but he gives this kind of look like up into his head, like, like, you know, like he's imagining it Mm -hmm. just like, Oh, you know, remembering. Um, So if you're going into this thinking that it was just a given that this was the dad, I was like, okay, yeah, that's obvious that it's him. And then you watch the whole movie and I'm like, I still think it's the dad, but like, it's not explicit at all. And then when you told me what his name was on IMDb, the businessman, like in the credits, I was like, okay, well, I still think so. Um, And I guess let's just go through all the reasons now. So there's kind of the same issue with who's Alice, right? Because we see this woman in the limo with them as they're, you know, in the flashback going to their father's funeral. Right. But it's never explicitly said that that's Alice. And then later on, we see Alice. That's that. We see that same woman 
laying in a bed pregnant in sort of like a, this really cool sequence on a train where they, they show a bunch of people that have interacted with the brothers. So they show Alice, they show the two uh, Indian boys who the third one passed away. They show the uh, Rita, the woman that Jason Schwartzman had an affair with. They show the uh, train then, leader. Uh, his they, his yeah. name in the movie is, he doesn't actually have a name. It's the chief steward. So they show him, right, petting the snake. <laughs> they show, <laughs> Nat- Natalie, they show Portman. Natalie Portman, who is only connected to this in a short film that I watched five minutes before we started recording. And then they show Bill Murray, which if Bill Murray is not the dad, he's the only one who has no connection to these people whatsoever. The only it's just thing- a random story. So here's the thing. If he is the dad, they show the lion, the man-eating lion, in the same train car as Bill Murray. And the only time we hear about the man-eating lion is when the mother says, oh, you can't come here. There's a man-eating lion, which we'll get to in a second. But you could take this movie completely metaphorically if you wanted to and say, okay, the mother has been avoiding the responsibility of her adult children her entire life, and the man-eating lion is just... um, another manifestation of that and for that to be in the same train car as bill murray who you think is the father could connect it in some sort of way where you know she uses the father's death as now a finally being free of the responsibility of having children hence the man-eating lion and so for that all right i'll give you credit bill murray is probably the father except the only thing that i think that really harshly disproves that is in the beginning sequence when Bill Murray's chasing after the train, the whole movie makes it a point that these brothers have inherited this anagrammed suitcase, very special, very distinct anagrammed suitcase collection. Bill Murray is, does not have those anagrammed suitcases as he's running. And my only thing is, wouldn't Adrian Brody, the eldest son, or no, the middle son, if he was imagining his father running after the train behind him, wouldn't he think of his father with those anagram suitcases? What I bet you didn't notice is that when Bill Murray was in the train car, he was wearing the glasses that Adrian Brody was wearing and the keys were on the table. God damn it, it's the father. I made all that up. Oh, son of a bitch. You uh, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, then it's uh, disputed. Like, what the <laughs> fuck are we yeah. arguing about? I, I, I would have brought that up a lot earlier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it was also, wasn't it like a nine-piece to 12-piece, like, suitcase set? Like, Bill Murray couldn't carry all of that as he's running to the train. So. No, but he was holding two, like, very plain suitcases. Oh, whatever. All right. It's... <laughs> It's up to your interpretation as the audience, I guess. Moving on, Adrian Brody gets on the fucking train. The Darjeeling Limited is the name of the train, which makes everything sense of everything. And he meets up with his two brothers that are already on the train car. Um, France is played by Owen Wilson. And then, uh, what's his name? David? What do you mean? Uh, Jason Schwartzman's character name? Jack. Jack? I don't know. Why I thought it was your name. Uh, 
Jack uh, is is already on there. Um, Francis, Owen Wilson's character, has like a manservant with them. Um, and I don't know if you noticed this, but when Adrian Brody was going through the 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 packed uh, cars to get to his uh, his brother's train compartment, he passes him. I did not notice that. And uh, what's his name? Brendan? Yeah. Yeah. He passes him. And when I uh, first watched this movie, and I saw, well, first of all, he's like the only white guy in a train packed of Indian uh, and people. And I was like, yeah, that guy's going to definitely come up later. But he, it's funny because he's, he's jam packed with, he's in like one of those like bunk bed sort of things. And he has like t- surrounded by water bottles wireless laptops and stuff like that and i was like definitely coming up mm-hmm. but um but yeah so we have francis played by owen wilson who i would say is is not only the oldest but he's also the control freak yeah well what's interesting and we find this out at the very end of the film but he's basically just become their mother right because the mother acts the exact same way he does and i do love the the payoff of that you know what I was thinking about when I was watching this the second time is that in Rushmore, which is his second movie, I felt like I could see all the threads of the story like coming together. Yeah. And in this one, I couldn't see any of it. It just sort of happened, right? Like the Owen Wilson payoff in the end when you meet the mom and like that's who she was, you know, that's who he became was his mother basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the other like little payoffs in the story, uh, I didn't see any of them coming, especially the river scene with the three kids, obviously. But like, so I just think this is like, it, it people can obviously uh, like have Rushmore as their favorite, but I think this is like just a, a more well-written movie. I, I completely agree with you. I think one of my favorite lines in the whole movie See, okay, so, you know, I think at the end of this, the, the three brothers finally become as close as they uh, eventually needed to be to have, like, a so-called happy ending to this film. But the almost the entirety of this film is written as a tragedy. And I think when you meet the mom and you realize what kind of piece of shit she is and the the oldest adopted a bunch of these quirks from her, it was almost a way of, okay, so this is the part I got emotional in on my second time watching this film, is when the other two brothers in the beginning of the movie are annoyed at all of Francis's quirks at the beginning of the film. And right. then you're like, oh, that's weird. Like, why are they so annoyed? Because they remind uh, them of their mother. And then you have this traumatic childhood trauma that comes from their mother and it kind of sparks all all of them back in when she leaves again and uh the next time he does something you know quirky they have like a like an understanding they accept it they're like okay well, it was the passport thing he tries to hand him back and they're like now you hold on to him yeah it's yeah. safer if, if you have them um which yeah is obviously like part of the growth um Alan, okay, uh, let's have a new rule. Um, from now on, we're going to talk about the movie in order. Can we agree to that? 
hate you. <laughs> uh, the, so the next thing is that we walk in and we see uh, Jason Schwartzman and Owen Wilson who play Francis and Jack. And I'm going to go back and forth with saying real names and the character names. But um, the first thought I had was on the second watch was like, whose choice was like this, like the Owen Wilson being in bandages like the whole time for this? Like, you know, that almost feels like something that he could have added as a character thing. Like, hey, I want to do this. And, and uh, I didn't find anything on this. I'm like, whose decision that was. But it just felt like almost like a quirk to be added in that, oh, I just, I just want to be bandaged for the entire movie. Um, Again, I think you could say that Owen Wilson's character is probably the most damaged of all three brothers. And you could say that the bandages is like an external showing of that. Um, especially like one of the most powerful parts of the movie is when he's changing the bandages and he's not wearing as many. You could almost say that part of his relationship with his brothers is healed. And so is he, you know? Well, he even says at that moment, which is a little on the nose, um, you know, I I have more healing to do. Yeah. And then you eventually find out, too, that it was probably like a suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, Which is, once again, like very subtly put in the movie and then never talked about again. Like the entire, well, let's get to it now, right? The entirety of the movie, he keeps saying that he accidentally crashed his car into a hill until he meets his mom who asks him about the bandages. And he's like, I purposely ran my motorcycle into a hill. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, and then that's the last time it's talked about. Um, and, and like the rea- there isn't even really a reaction from Schwartzman or Brody either. Um, it's just sort of like kind of look over and then just keep moving on. And, and you almost probably feel like that they knew maybe figured the whole time. I love how these characters are written because for brothers who are like estranged and who know nothing about each other, they in subtle ways throughout the movie know everything about each other right um yeah and i will say the 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 dynamics of like telling one brother something but not wanting to tell the other and then it's like don't tell the older or oh no don't tell him and then you tell someone else and then everyone just like passes around the information like (laughs) immediately um (laughs) yeah that all makes sense uh and then uh, a little, like, not really Easter egg, but the short story that Jason Schwartzman hands over is written on, like, Hotel Chevalier paper, yeah. which is the name of the short uh, movie with uh, Natalie Portman in it, which I think, right. obviously, like, I did have a thought in my mind was, like, you know, did that happen before or after? But then it obviously would have had to have happened before because of the paper and then because of the fact that he was able to write the short story at the end explaining what happened. Right. Um, but the, the reason I was like questioning it is because he still kind of seemed to be like in love with her and he didn't really decide to the end that he was done with her. Um, so, but it is cool. The, the short story that he writes at the end where he explained what happens at the hotel with, with Natalie Portman's character mm-hmm. is kind of word for word, how it's happens in the short story in the actual short film, That's which funny. is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, I really like how the movie gives each brother a character arc while still very plainly saying to the audience, Adrian Brody is the main character, but you don't ever feel like 
it's it's almost like the attention is split equally three ways throughout the entire thing they each get their character arc in different ways throughout the entire movie but i think because the movie begins with adrian brody and adrian brody has probably the most to do in this whole movie you still make an instant connection with him but one of my favorite ways this movie ends is with Jason Schwartzman's uh, short story. Uh, yeah. Well, cause when he, when he does the first short story, like, Oh, I really like how you capture the characters and like, Oh, you captured how uh, I yelled Peter, at the mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Peter agent Brody, like wouldn't give up on the car and da, da, da. And I really like that. We then get to see that played out and you don't even almost really, it doesn't stand out to you. The details of what they're saying in the story until you watch it the second time. Um, but, uh, Jason Schwartzman was like, oh, well, they're all fake characters, you know, it's fictional. And then when he does the short story at the end, he's like, oh, it's all, fi-. you know, thanks. Thank yeah. you. Cause they were like, oh, you know, I really appreciated your anger in this. Um, no, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I also just in the opening scene, like when they're sitting on the train, cause they want to smoke and they're like passing around <laughs> the drugs to each other. Like, right. oh, let me try your stuff. Let me try your stuff. And then the German lady's talking and Agent Bird's like, Hey, can you guys keep it down? Just keep it up. You're annoying me. Um, the, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, you know, I, I love when we both watch a movie and we can talk about like, oh, I like this part and I like this part. And I think that happened with uh, Shawshank and stuff like that. But you were telling me that this movie actually was not that well received. Like people, unlike us, did not enjoy it as much as we did. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Um, there were, I guess, a little bit of criticism about, I don't know, doing the story in India, but focusing on three white dudes, I guess. I don't know. I didn't read any of the criticism at the time because I didn't know about the movie. And then now I just watched it and I didn't really care about that. Um, but yeah, this is, I guess, his, less, his least critically, critically acclaimed movie and his least financially successful movie. Um, I think that's changing over the years. Um, I think is it one of his most? Times. Is it one of his most expensive movies? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure his movies now, like Moonrise, Moonrise Kingdom, on have to be super expensive. Yeah, just with like the amount of famous people. I know they're probably all taking cuts um, because they're not they're not having to do as much work. But I mean, those the the latest ones all have to be the most expensive. Um, I also really getting back to I the the opening scene, which pretty much sets up the full dynamics. I love Owen Wilson. Like, hey, is that are those dad's glasses? And then later on, are those dad's keys? Like, just like setting up that Adrian Brody like keeps taking de- his dad's stuff because like he has a kind of an odd relationship with the father, played by Bill Murray, and so. Like he's taking this stuff, I guess, to feel closer to them. But Francis, who wants to be the one in charge, is like, that's not how this works. You can't just take his stuff. It's all our stuff. Um, you know, and then with the belt, too. I, I love how that play. You know, we get that in the beginning and then it just plays out throughout. Why, um, why do you think they all became estranged to each other? Because the flashback that we see during the funeral when they're all trying to get the car, they seem close then. Um, so there must have been did they explain was there like a a factor that played in 
I mean, they, they do say something along the lines of like, I wonder if we had not been brothers, if we would have actually been friends in real life. I mean, that is a, like a weird dynamic with all siblings. Like, obviously, there are people who are really close to with their siblings. I'm very close to my siblings, but they're not the first people I call to hang out with all the time. Right. 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 And so I think it is easy to drift apart and be like, oh, shit, it's been three months since I've seen that person. You know what I mean? Like, because a holiday hasn't come around very soon. So. I don't know that it has to be any one thing. I mean, the fact that their father died may have been the thing that was holding them together. And then they all, they were all just kind of dealing with that. And the fact that they're, you know, I guess their parents probably divorced at some point. Yeah. I and, would so. and their mom. And sucks. so them dealing with the death of their dad and the fact that their mom wouldn't even show up to the funeral. And the fact that the dad died in such a harsh way, you know, like hit by a car, by a cab. You know, it wasn't like so that they really even didn't even get to say goodbye. So I imagine that did fracture their relationship. So the line is we would have had a better chance of being friends if it were not for us being brothers. And it is one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. Um, so how dare you just gloss over it? <laughs> sure, we'll get back to it. Um, then we get to meet Brendan. Uh, cause I, like a little bit, a little bit before this, Owen Wilson's like, you'll never see Brendan. And that's the way I want it. And then the next, like, see Brendan's trying to stick stuff other to the door and they just open it. Like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. It's, uh, this, this movie, I think above all, and, and a lot of Wes Anderson movies, they're comedies. Like you get down to it. He writes comedies, but some of these jokes are pretty dry. But I think the jokes that involve like actual like um, action is so fucking funny. And that is one of the funniest things is just that character in general is so freaking funny. Oh, I love right afterwards. He has this disease where his head is shaved, but he doesn't have to shave it. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just thinking like the entire time I'm thinking, so he's bald. Just say he's bald, and then it's alopecia, <laughs> and they call it. He has this albino thing. It's just fucking great. Yeah, I don't know if you're allowed to make fun of alopecia now. 2007, maybe. Um, and then this right after this, we get uh, uh, Adrian Brody confides in Jason Schwartzman by like, oh, my uh, Alice is you know, seven and a half months pregnant. And then Jason Swartzman's like, yeah, I have a ticket to leave here because I don't know if I want to stay. And he's like, well, you can't leave me here alone with him. I have to get out of here too. Um, and so then Jason Swartzman goes to bang the stewardess, which I, I love when he looks back at her and he's like, I must have her. That scene where he like beckons her to the bathroom, I was like, this is a little, could have probably been handled a little bit with more care. Obviously the movie shows that she's into it, but I was just like, it's a little icky. I thought it was funny the way he was like, um, like telling her to like motioning her to come. And she's like, what? And he's like, and she's like, no, and he's like, come on. <laughs> I thought that was just played out like too long, but for, I, I, I do love the end when he's standing outside of the bathroom and then she opens the door and she's like, uh, why are you standing there? He's like, Oh, I just thought she's like, Mr. Whitman, the whole point was so that we wouldn't be seen together. And then he tries to kiss her and she just closes the door again. She's like, leave. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And then, 
and then we get, you know, we're on the train and then we get kind of another moment where Francis is left out and Jason Schwartzman goes to check his ex-girlfriend's voicemail. Yep. And then when he comes back, uh, Francis is like, all right, new rule. You're not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> and we, you should really listen to people who might be older than you and might have good advice. <laughs> Um, their first stop, I think a lot, a lot happens so quick when they, when they make that first stop into the, um, the temple. Um, I love how they get off the train and the first thing they do is they buy, buy a bunch of shit. My favorite part of that is Jason Schwartzman. Um, how powerful is this? Will this kill a man? And the guy's like, not for killing spray and face. And he's like, Oh, spray and face. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And everything that they buy is a perfect setup to something later on happening. I mean, I'm sure you saw that as a potential, like, in the future thing, right? Not really, but I guess I guess part of that is, yeah, it's, it's probably obvious, but I was just enjoying the movie so much that I didn't think about it, right? So, like, I was just enjoying what I was watching. No, I agree with you. So, Jason Schwartzman buys the pepper spray. Adrian Brody buys a poisonous cobra. And then Owen Wilson, is that, no, he didn't buy the, I think he sent Brendan to get the peacock feathers, but at that point he got his shoe stolen. Right. I do love right before that though, um, they're all praying at the same shrine and then Jason Sforceman starts freaking out. He's like, oh, I lost my passport. And uh, France, uh, Owen Wilson's like, no, no, you didn't. And Adrian Brody just gets up and starts walking away and Fritz's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going to go pray at a different thing it's just like i don't want to be involved with this (laughs) and then if you'll notice so after they after they figure out jason swordsman owen wilson that he was going to leave and he's like i took your passport whatever they pan over to adrian brody praying and there's an indian guy standing right next to him holding a gun what just sort of pointed at him what like super subtle i was like why the fuck like i didn't notice it the first time i watched i was like why is that there and there's nothing written up about it. Never mentioned again. Never. Okay. No, yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing about it. It was very odd. But yeah, right after that, uh, Francis gets one shoe stolen. It's so quick. He sits down and the kid immediately just takes off with the shoe. The kid was smart. He could have taken off with two shoes. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It wasn't really playing the long game there. I like how he's like, those are $3,000 shoes. And I'm like, that kid is not selling that shoe for $3,000. Definitely. Definitely not. I do like right after this, because Francis has found out about uh, Adrian Brody, Peter having a child. He's like, here's a belt. You know, here's the belt you can have. Because earlier he's like, are you wearing my belt? He's like, oh yeah, can I borrow it? And he's like, no, not right now. I was looking for that. (laughs) He makes him take it off like immediately. But then when he gives it to him later, this, just the subtlety of Adrian Brody be like, oh, I can't accept that as he's putting on the belt already. Yes. yes. So yes. good. And then he, and then later on in the movie, he's like, give me my belt back. And then later on in the movie, he's like, consider, he's like, consider this a gift from me and Jack. <laughs> so fucking funny. Um, and then next, the snake escapes because obviously the snake was going to escape. That's one I probably should have easily seen. Um. Yeah, and that's just a running joke till the end of the fucking film where the chief stewardess or whatever you call him, um, he takes the snake very nonchalantly, by the way, um, and 
then they ask about the snake later and he's like the snake's dead and they were they're so crushed by it uh and then you later he wouldn't find kill out the, he wouldn't actually kill a snake would he it's got to be against its religion i mean i i think i think you that's a line in the movie oh i thought you were genuinely asking me well you know he didn't kill it you see it in the end of the movie but I do like the head steward grabbing this, like look going into the kitchen very, very calmly looking for what he can use. And then he just grabs a spatula as the tool that's <laughs> going to catch the snake. And then obviously immediately catches it. And then also I'm kicking you off. And then Owen Wilson tries to give him money and he grabs it out of his hand and just crumples it up. Um, he, uh, at that point there, they are kicked off, right? But isn't it isn't it the second train? Because um, there's this whole thing with peacock feathers, right? They're not kicked off at that point. Owen Wilson basically talks them out of kicking it off, kicking them off, and he's like, "Okay, you're confined to your cabin until further notice." That's right. And just then... funny because the the next scene is they're out somewhere else. So I guess they're only confined when the train is moving. Makes sense. But as I also like how the head steward, as he's walking out, he's like, uh, what about our snake? And he's like, it's been confiscated. <laughs> You're not getting it back. Um, oh, I thought that's when he told him it was dead. But I guess when they, when they did get kicked out, they asked about the snake again. And that's when he told him it was dead, right? Right. And then so the next time they're off the train, uh, when they still haven't been kicked off yet, though, they're like trying to, I guess, follow a ritual in like a small Indian village or whatever. And they're like, are you feeling something? <laughs> I forget which of the other ones. Like, I hope so. <laughs> just like, cause they're all just like trying to do whatever to like, I guess, heal from the fact that their father died and they don't have a relationship and all of that. Um, a couple of things happen here. One of my favorite lines is, so first of all, they're off the train at this point because um, the train got lost. And one of my favorite lines is Jason Schwartzman is like, how does a train get lost? It's it's on a track. <laughs> uh, and so then uh, they go up a mountain and they try to do the ritual, as you said. Um, and then the train starts leaving without them and they run down that like sandy slope, that dune to get back on the train. Yeah, I do like when they're at the top, though, he tells them, oh, I found mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, thing. the mom he's this thing he's been discussing with Brendan the whole time and the smile from Adrian Brody. He's just like, you didn't tell us because you know, I, Owen Wilson makes up this whole thing. Like, Oh, I didn't want to hurt you until, you know, I, you know, the time is right. And Adrian Brody's like, that's bullshit. You didn't tell us because you know, we would have never come if you had told us And <laughs> the line of, I'm going to hold this in for a little bit. So great. Adrian Brody, I think, is an amazing actor. I'm actually surprised I don't see him in more stuff nowadays because he was in Pianist. He was in that weird um, Splice. Have you ever seen that movie Splice? No. No? It's, uh, he's a scientist and he splices human genes with something. I know and, it's about. Okay. Anyways, he's great in that. He's great in this. I'd like well, yeah, and this is like stuff. a very comedic role, which you wouldn't as maybe expect from him as much. I've read some things that he's like difficult to work with, but I can see that. Um, I like the next scene when they're sitting there. He's telling Wilson, like, let's go over the itinerary. He's like, fuck the itinerary. He's like, okay, I'm going to need the belt back because it's very <laughs> expensive and I got it made for myself. So, yeah. Uh, and then 
you know, this is so I never notice continuity mistakes in movies, almost ever. But Adrian Brody is shaving and has shaving cream on his face and then walks into the other room and says, hey, you want the belt to Owen Wilson and throws it at Owen Wilson and hits him in the face. And then as soon as they start wrestling, there's no shaving cream. Oh, well, he wipes it off in the in the scuffle. No, 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 no time. But anyway, <laughs> I then like <laughs> Jason Swartzman pulling out the mace. That whole shitstorm of a fight is amazing because I think it 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 doesn't get kicked off with the belt. It get kicked off with the razor, right? Because Owens Wilson's like, "Is that Dad's razor?" And he's like, "Oh." Da 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 goes to the belt conversation, and then he throws the belt in his in his face. And I don't know if it was sound design or if Owen Wilson actually got hurt in that shot, but you can hear the belt buckle hitting Owen Wilson in the face, and like that fu- that shit fucking hurts. Yeah, I would hope he didn't actually get hit in the face, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I, but once again, Jason Schwartzman just like spraying them with mace. And then, and then being chased, he's like, leave me alone. As they catch up to him, sprays them both again. And then just <laughs> runs into the glass. I love the, the, the line. He's like, stop fighting. He's just, oh, and, then, man, and that's why I think he's the youngest. And then as the steward just sees this happen, just the look of exasperation, just like, not anger, but just like, okay, you guys are done. And then they're kicked off. And then as they're getting kicked off, throwing rocks at the steward and the German women. Yes. So angry. Oh, and fucking uh, Owen Wilson saying, uh, you know, is like, why are you bald? Oh, yeah. That's when him and Brendan break up. Yeah. And Brendan starts getting on the train. He's like, did I just offend Brendan? He's like, and (laughs) Adrian Bear's like, yeah, Brendan just quit. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I love later on in the movie, they're like, well, Owen Wilson's like, I think I'm patching things up with Brendan. I offered him a raise. Yeah, because otherwise I'm a bad person. Um, and then this is when he asked for the snake back. And he's like, your snake's dead. Oh, no. Um, and then they decide uh, as they're building a campfire to do a bunch of drugs and they read the letter from their mom saying you can't come right now because there's man eating tiger and this is the most Wes Anderson scene where they're reading a letter and it's being read by the person who wrote it which is obviously his trademark yep one of um, <laughs> and then the scene with the peacock feathers while they're camping and he's like oh mine mine just blew away but it didn't go to the mountains like when he's like what you're supposed to bury it <laughs> agent brother's like oh i did it wrong too i still have mine <laughs> um yeah I, that that whole thing is great and then now i think we get to a move a part of the movie that that just comes out of left field um they're walking um with all of their luggage their entire 12 piece collection of luggage um, and then they come upon these kids trying to cross this river and their raft uh, line snaps. Right. And I think this is one of the best scenes of the entire movie. Like, I think this is the heart of the movie and where it ties uh, most of everything together. Um, but go ahead. You, you want to kind of play by play? Well, 
I mean, definitely after this point, right? Because the the kids start drowning. They're able to save two of them. Adrian Brody gets the third one, but they get thrown down this kind of river that's got some rapids, and then they catch up to Adrian. And I I do after there's like a cut where you know that Adrian Brody's been kind of thrown with this kid. And then you see Jason Schwartzman running down the river, like looking after him. He's like, Oh, I found him. And Adrian Brody's just covered in blood. And he's like, he's dead. He's, he's dead. Like I couldn't, I couldn't save him. Um, And then they go to this village where uh, the kid is obviously from, and we find a bunch of other people, the kid's father. Um, Do you think, those three kids were all brothers or do you think they were friends or do you not think it matters? I don't know. I assumed they were brothers, um, but I am not sure. So the, the only reason I thought that they were all brothers is because the father of the kid who died had his arms around the other two kids like they were his own. So that's why. Right. Did you recognize that actor? Yeah, he is a super famous Indian actor. Well, he's also in Jurassic World and Slumdog Millionaire, Life of Pi. Is he the host in Slumdog Millionaire? No, he is the police officer who's interviewing him. Ah, yeah. The, the host is a different guy. Yeah, I assumed they were brothers, uh, specifically on the train sequence at the end. You kind of see them in the same room with the picture of the the one who died, so... Um, yeah, but they carry him back to the village and then it's just kind of a, a silent sequence, pretty much them being in the village, kind of helping out, just hanging around. Um, and then they're going to leave and there's this whole elaborate getting them on the bus. There's like nowhere to sit, fitting all their bags. They get all the way on and they get invited to the funeral and they have to take everything off and get off the, off the bus. I do love the, I love the guy in the back of the bus and he's just the Indian guy. He's just like, why are you guys here? (laughs) (laughs) um and it's yeah that that is that is great and then when we get to the funeral it's a i really love the song that's played as they're kind of walking to the funeral and then i especially love the flashback to their dad's funeral getting to see the scene that was described in jason schwartzman's short story and it's one of the funnier parts um yeah, and I love how it's kind of mimicking like their ride to that funeral in the in the car. It's not really a car; it's like a golf cart thing. Um, but why do you think it was so important for them to get the car that day? Well, it was only important to Peter to adrian brody the other two were like let's wait and then peter was like no i want to do it right now And i mean that's kind of always been the way he is in this movie right he's like very concerned about his father's possessions and like getting them so that part kind of made sense to me that he would be the one to push this and really it's just so you could have the funny story um yeah well it also kind of fleshed out their dynamic even more so I also really liked how they pushed it all the way out of the garage, almost getting it hit by another car. And then uh, that's when they were like, yeah, this is, this, this car's, this car's broken. You need to send back the other car. And then they yelled at the tow guy. <laughs> and the tow, like who was, it? I think it was 
Schwartzman yells at him and he's like, are you serious? And then Adrian Brody gets there. He's like, yeah, we're fucking serious. Leave right now. <laughs> Cause the guy was coming out of the card of like fight him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Um, we get different character arcs of these characters. Okay, so sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we get um, back to the funeral, and I guess they cremate the little kid, and then they do this like ritual where they like bathe in water. Um, then they get back on a different train. Uh, they get out, yeah, they get back on a bus that takes them to the airport, and we get this really cool silent scene of them walking all the way up to the plane. And then like the airplane is too loud for us to hear what's happening. And they basically decide, no, we have to go find mom. Uh, Cause earlier Francis had like, Hey, let's make an agreement in, we're going to come back here in the spring and agent Brody shuts it down immediately. Like, I'm never coming back here. Like this is, no, we're done. And so um, they then at this point when they're about to get on the plane, just decide like, Hey, we should go see mom. And Adrian Brody grabs the tickets and rips them up. And then they go, go off to find their mom. Um, and this was right after the scene that you talked about where he like takes off the bandages. He gives over the belt. We get the scene of like, f- they all make phone calls. Francis tries to hire back Brendan. Uh, Jack calls Natalie Portman's answering thing again. And then Peter calls Alice who he apparently didn't tell his seven and a half month pregnant wife that he was going to India for what seems to be a month, I guess. One of the most interesting things to kind of like ponder on or, or to think at, in a like psychology sort of way is that he never thought about having kids because he never thought that his marriage would last long enough to have kids. He and it was almost, we were going to get divorced. And it was almost as, as he was hoping for divorce so he wouldn't have to go through having kids. And that kind of tells you a lot how his childhood was or what he felt like his childhood was. I don't know. How did you feel about that? I thought that was kind of an interesting um, thing. Uh, yeah. No, it, it definitely was. I've, I'm more... <sighs> I just think he was very pessimistic about his life. They all kind of were. Um, but that could be because if they saw their parents divorce at, an, a, at a young age, they probably just expected their romances to fail. Right. Yeah. They don't, I mean, they all are very kind of broken people. And uh, I think like the kind of the, the arc at the end is the fact that together they're a lot better. Um. But yeah, I mean, I just, he, I, I don't think he sees his life working out. And so the fact that he could stay with, you know, that Alice would stay with him and want to have his child, it's just like, he's almost needs to sabotage it. Um, this is where he's like, yeah, I got this like little vest at this market. And he's like, I think it'll fit a boy. Oh, that's what he f- figures out, finds out it's a boy. Right. Right. Um, and then I love the part where and this is you kind of mentioned this already but owen wilson takes off his belt and gives him the belt back he's like this is a gift from me and jack and jack's like yeah so then we get them finally we meet the mom played by angelica houston who is in most of these movies um and we find out that the tiger was real because they thought it was just a lie to keep them away Mm -hmm. um 
and then we find out that Francis is uh, Owen Wilson has just basically been taking over the spot of the mom this entire time because she's like, oh, what do you guys want to? You want this? You want this? And you would like you would like this, right? And uh, raise your hand if you want eggs. And they all raise their hands. Three eggs. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that part of it. I love trauma. Like in movies, like the represent, like no, just in tr- trauma in general. No, I like I like psychological trauma represented well in movies, and I think this represents psycholo- psychological trauma really well in this film. Um, especially this back and forth where she tucks them all in, um, and but they don't go to sleep. They like confront her right then and there. Adrian Brody does, yeah. Yeah. Well, they all get up. They all get up out of bed and and question her, like, why didn't you come to dad's funeral? Which was a thing that happened a year before. So that just shows you how her response being, because I didn't want to. Right. Um, Also, her dismissal of it, like, oh, we'll talk about this in the morning and then fucking running away into the mountains. Well, she does have that moment, which I guess is supposed to be very powerful, of them just like in the moment together of like, let's just be together and we'll and we'll deal with this. And this is when we get the cool shot of like all the stuff that they're thinking about. Like um, we get Alice in the waiting room. We get the two kids with their brother who died. Natalie Portman sitting there. Um, Bill Murray. Bill, and the Bill Murray. Line, as, yeah. as the, clearly as the father. Um so we get all that and then yeah and then she runs away the next morning um but they do eat the breakfast that she she got for them and they seem to love it so she did get that part right then they do the peacock ritual they do it correctly and they do it with one feather all of them together and then in the most west anderson way burying it is stacking rocks on top of it that gets smaller and smaller until it looks like a, a cone. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great. And then he reads the short story, which we talked about. And she, she's like, Oh, I, I love you. And he's like, you know, I just don't want to, you know, I just want to be friends after this. And she, he's like, I promise I will never be your friend no matter what ever. And, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, I really like how mean you are. And then he's like, well, the character, thank you. I think that is like a good arc of him. Like he always had to kind of project onto these short stories, his actual life Mm -hmm. really. And uh, like him finally accepting like, yeah, I am writing about us. Um, And then they, the final thing too, is as they're running onto their new train, which is called the Bengal Lancer, which really made me think of uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. (laughs) Um, They decide they don't need the bags anymore. Yeah. they finally don't need to fight over their dad's possessions. And you see kind of Adrian Brody, like look at the glasses of his dad's and like, just kind of put them away. Like, Oh, I don't need these anymore. He still puts them in his pocket. So he's not fully developed there, but. They got a little bit more healing to do. Nice. nice. And then he tries to get back the passports and like, nah, you, you keep it. I really, and this is something in all of his movies, but I really love the music in this movie. I think it suits it very well. Um, and I love the last shot of they're on this new train. Let's go smoke a cigarette and have a drink. And they all come out and like duck down to look out, like to show like the three main actors in this one more time. 
and then we just get the credits and the song. I like, I love the way this movie ends. I did think it was weird song choice of the Champs-Élysées because it is a French song and they no mention of France at all ever in this film. Um, well, a little bit, but not yet. Like, well, you know he, what I mean? Yeah. Right. No, it's not a big part of this, but yes, I agree. But, um, but yeah, I think I'm going to add that song to my wedding playlist because that's a banger. You could do the one from like the funeral in India. What was the one, the ending? Like you said, all of his song choices are great. What was the ending song in Rushmore when they're dancing on the dance floor? No idea. I want that one too. My entire wedding soundtrack is just going to be Wes Anderson soundtracks. Taylor's going to love it. Yeah, I'm I'm really sad to hear that this is one of his least successful films because it is one of my favorite. I think it's it's one that really says something meaningful and heartfelt. And I think one of the best payoff slash resolutions in any of his films, um, at least the ones I've seen. Um, I really love this movie. I I think if I watch it in another five years or another ten years, I would understand understand something new about myself but um but yeah i mean i kind of know that you like it too right no yeah i think i'm not gonna rank them but i think it may be one of my favorites like it after what you you made a joke when i finished watching we were talking like oh i thought this was gonna be your favorite i was like i think it might be um i haven't seen i watched moonrise the other day i watched like the first half of um steve is Zuzu the other day uh grand budapest is always is like been one that i've been saying my, is my favorite for a while i haven't watched it in a since it came out probably but i i would imagine that would still be like tops but i just i love all his movies and this one was surprisingly so great um and i'm really glad we did it well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched i'm milan and this is david and i finally watched the darjeeling limited